When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Panic? Who said anything about pan- Oh, wait. I did. Or... I'm about to. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Yeah, they should be panicking. Mike Tomlin should be panicking. His assistants should be panicking. The players, in a way, should be panicking. I'm not talking about the standings. I'm not talking about the separate challenge of taking on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers up in Green Bay. I'm talking about moves that need to be made right now, right now, before they take the field for practice later this morning. I'm talking about personnel. I'm talking about schemes. I'm talking about probably whatever it was that Tomlin had going through his head whenever he gave this answer at his press conference yesterday on that subject. Man, we're not going to push the panic button. What do I mean by the panic button? You know, we're not going to dramatically change who and what we are at this juncture. Uh, We're not resistant to change for the purposes of getting better. But we're not going to be so unsteady that we move away from our compass, the identity that we worked hard to develop and will continue to work hard to develop and, and the emphasis on a style of play, whatever that may be in all three phases. Um, we will make necessary adjustments, whatever that may be, uh, born out of conversations and work and what we see in preparation. But that's the nat- natural course of action that we go through each and every week. I get that. I respect it. I, I do. A head coach or a manager at the highest level of a sport is going to have a belief system in place. And it's going to be the belief system that allowed them to achieve the level that they did in their respective profession. Whenever things are going to go bad, they're going to rely on it. They're not going to bury it. They're going to go to it. And if you think about the times that Tomlin has been successful in bouncing back from this type of adversity, whether it was the 0-4 start in the London year or other seasons in which they really needed a 
sizzling December to get to the playoffs, and they had it. Never once did Tomlin go away from what he wanted to do. Now, that doesn't mean he's always been successful, but I'm just citing scenarios where it was successful, and he was able to develop internally this reinforcement that, hey, my way is the right way. But this, this is different, man. This is different. This isn't just bucking up. This isn't just getting tough. This isn't just barking at people. This this requires some change. I've seen situations like that in the past where, say, it was a more veteran group and you would just walk over to Jerome Bettis and say, hey, Jerome, we really need 100 out of you this week. Let's, let's chug a little harder. You know, this isn't that. This isn't that. This, as I see it, is something where significant adjustments have to be made to personnel, to schemes, to approaches, to attitudes, to attitudes, because you need to get this team confident again, and you need to put into motion a script that builds that confidence. Remember the stuff I was talking about on last week's shows about putting that power formation out there and seeing if you could get that offensive line and in turn Najee Harris to start feeling better about themselves, start feeling more productive. I mean, I'm happy to say that by pure coincidence, that's what the Steelers ended up doing. And believe it or not, doing it pretty well. They had these 10-yard, 15-yard runs but then they'd also have them call back on penalties. And that's when you start questioning not schemes as much as you do the personnel. That's where I am right now. And you'll never guess which area of the football team I'm about to isolate on. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do your studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format works for you. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. I feel like we haven't learned all we can about the various members of this offensive line. I feel like their stories, particularly the younger guys, have yet to be even partially written, let alone fully written. But that doesn't matter right now. It just doesn't. You have a 39-year-old franchise quarterback. You have a one-and-two hole to your season. You're not doing anything at all from some broader philosophical standpoint toward rebuilding or looking at the future. Everything is about this season, about this game against the Packers. So it shouldn't matter to you in the slightest as the head coach whether or not Kevin Dotson has a bright future. It shouldn't matter to you that Dan Moore has shown surprisingly well for a fourth-round pick 
out of the most recent draft. It shouldn't matter to you that Kendrick Green has carried himself as well as he has. It shouldn't matter to you that you thought Chuk Sikorafor was a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. None of these things should matter. The only things that should would all be related to winning a football game Sunday in Green Bay, Wisconsin. That is it. That is it. How do you look at that from the offensive line standpoint? I'll at least throw out a couple of suggestions. They're not wanted, I'm sure. They won't be heated, I'm doubly sure. But what I don't like to do in general is criticize and then just say, you figure it out. I'd at least like to throw in a couple of suggestions. Personnel-wise, I sit Dotson. He's been terrible over the last couple of games. Not so much in Buffalo, but the last couple of games. His film is brutal. He's not alone. I'm not picking on him. He's just the one I'm talking about right this second. If you feel, as a head coach, that Rashad Coward was excellent in the early parts of training camp, and that was the word that Tomlin said directly to me when I asked why Coward was getting nods ahead of Dotson early in camp, then you at least trust him to not stink. Even if you're being dishonest with me or you're just pumping the guy up because of competitive purposes or whatever, the way I'm sure Tomlin did to some extent when he gave me that answer, even if, then you can't possibly think that he's what Dotson has been the last couple of games. Coward knows the schemes. Coward's been in the NFL. Coward started a handful of games last season for the Bears. This won't be some great leap for him. Coward hasn't gotten a helmet in the first three games, despite some of the worst offensive line play we've witnessed in Pittsburgh in a generation. Why? Why? What's the point of that? To build up the young guys? No. No, not now. Not now. You need to save your quarterback's life. You need to win a game. Then there's the really curious case of B.J. Finney. Remember how when the Steelers brought Finney back, there was all kinds of, oh, yeah, now they got their veteran guy. Now they're going to start stabilizing a little bit. And Finney did not have a good camp. I'm not going to portray it to you any other way. Finney also didn't do well with the Seahawks or the Bengals in his brief spotty time with both of those franchises after he left Pittsburgh. So I'm not here to, you know, pump him up as some kind of panacea either because he's not. He's not. But that's not the question that needs to be getting asked right now. It's whether or not he's more capable on this Sunday of outperforming whether it's Kendrick Green at center, whether it's Dotson at left guard, whether it's anyone on that line. I mean, I could go right through this. You could talk about Joe Haig, who's taken a lot of snaps at right tackle, and he's not anybody's answer either, but 
all he has to do is be better than what Chooks has been. You know? J.C. Hassenauer is a guy that's worked probably more with Ben than anybody. At center, when you go back over this past summer, Ben really seems to take a liking to him. And while he's not Dermani Dawson, Mike Webster, or Marquise Pouncey either, he doesn't have to be. He just needs to be better than who he's replacing this week. That's it. And don't even get me started on $11 million in idle salary cap space. I don't think there's any great offensive lineman sitting out there on his couch right now either. But it never, ever, ever should have come to this. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys across our Commonwealth. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-842. Five four, five four. Our J1Q comes from Pat Michael, who says, Undoubtedly, the Steelers' offense is struggling. I think they lost confidence in the game plan changed early on Sunday due to the multiple penalties. My question is, how many rushing yards or passing yards were negated due to penalties? It seemed like every time Najee Harris in particular had a 10 to 15-yard run, it got called back. Obviously, momentum plays a major role early in games. I'd like to think it would have been different the whole outcome if the offense could have avoided even half of these penalties. Let me know what you think. Love the podcast. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate that on all levels. The penalties hurt. I'm not exactly breaking any ground when I say that. But I got to admit, I get a little cringy when it's suggested that Najee had this big run wiped out because a flag was thrown or that big catch or big run because a flag was thrown. You know, more often than not, the flag is thrown for a real reason. And if the flag hadn't been thrown, that probably meant that a penalty wouldn't have been committed. If a penalty wasn't committed, that run that you saw and you applauded and got all excited about might not have happened. And in looking at The three cases, and that's how many there were, of Najee having 10-plus yard runs being called back, I know for a fact that two of them involved infractions that led very directly to Najee getting those yards. So I wouldn't make too much of this. You don't want penalties. You don't want first and 15. You don't want first and 20. And no, you don't like to have big plays negated because sometimes it is a bad call or sometimes it is something that really wouldn't have affected the quality of the play or the quality of the run. I'm just saying that, you know, don't look at it and think that everything just gets wiped away here and it was all wholesome 
before that. It wasn't. It wasn't. What really needs to happen here is that the Steelers need offensive line men who don't commit all these penalties. There were 10 total flags thrown Sunday. Seven of them were on the offense. Five of them were on offensive linemen. Five of them. Five of them. False start, holding, what have you. Five of them. So I'll swing back to the thing from the first segment about putting in guys that are maybe a little bit more reliable and guys who just, all they have to do is not stink. Is B.J. Finney going to get you multiple holding penalties? How about Rashad Coward? How about J.C. Hasnauer? How about Joe Haig? How about somebody that they bring in from somewhere with this $11 million in cap space? This is the way they should be thinking right now. They shouldn't be trying to salvage a very bad collective decision. And to my eyes, that's what this looks like right now. That's what this looks like. But hey, you know what? Let's see how it goes this week in practice. And way more important than that, how it goes Sunday in Green Bay. I appreciate the question, Pat. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Let's do another one tomorrow. Tomorrow.